Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. And today, we've got Gwen Cooper on the show returning. And the reason that I asked her to join us today is because she has been posting updates on Afghan cats and dog rescues. And I wanted to just share a little bit of that, what's going on over there with everyone. So welcome to the show, Gwen. Thank you so much for having me. You know, and and you have sent out uh, an email blog that's been catching my eye and it's been updating on the efforts of the rescues over there. And and one of the ones that you name is is Homer's Heroes. Tell us, tell us about that. Is that a rescue in Kabul? No, actually, Homer's Heroes is is sort of a um, a kind of rallying cry, actually, for for my own followers and readers and and people who have read Homer's Odyssey and were inspired by Homer's Odyssey to make a difference in the in the lives of rescue animals. Um, and, and so it, it's kind of a catch-all phrase. It, it, Homer's heroes, when, when I put out a call, you know, calling all Homer's heroes, that is basically how my readers, my audience know that I am now asking them to actively participate in a rescue effort. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that is in response to a natural disaster or a man-made disaster, as, as the situation in Afghanistan most certainly is. Um, but, you know, we, it's kind of our rallying cry for, for hurricanes and wildfires and, um, and now also what is happening in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And so, so there are actual rescue groups in Afghanistan that, that we as Homer's Heroes are supporting at this time. And are you aligned with anyone in particular or is it a variety of rescues? Well, the two that we have been primarily supporting, um, one of them is an organization called Nowzad, and that was an organization uh, rescuing cats and dogs in Afghanistan. It was founded by a for a, a Brit, a, a former member of the Royal Marines, um, and he was actually able to evacuate dur- before August thirty first. He was not. He his goal was to bring his staff, many of whom are women, um, professional women veterinarians, people who do not fare well, obviously under Taliban rule. So his goal was to evacuate with his entire staff as well as his cats and dogs, um, or the cats and dogs that the organization had rescued. They made the cats and dogs and Penn Farthing made it out of Afghanistan, but sadly, and it's a very long story, but the staff were not able to make it out, and he is continuing his efforts to evacuate them. There's also mm-hmm. Kabul Small Animal Rescue that was founded by a, an, a, an American woman named Charlotte Maxwell Jones, an archaeologist, actually, who was um, doing some research in the Middle East and saw the condition of, of animals in Afghanistan and was inspired to found a rescue there um, a few years ago to help them out. Uh, she was also in a similar position trying to evacuate with cats and dogs and also with a staff, um, many of whom are women. Um, and in her case, actually, nobody has gotten out yet. Um, not not any of the animals, not any of her staff, mm. and not Charlotte herself, because um, she did not want to evacuate without the animals. Sure. 
So, yeah. So where things stand now is that she, you know, they, they've asked for a certain amount of, of radio silence while they work behind the scenes trying to to figure out an evacuation plan. Um, they, part of the reason they're not disclosing a lot of information and a lot of that is, is for security reasons. They don't want to tip off, obviously, people as to, you know, the, the Taliban as to what they're doing or what their plan is. Right. Um, so it's it's sort of a, a nerve wracking, you know, for those of us who who have been, and, it, you know, it's I mean, obviously, we, we've been following this for several weeks, but this is a situation that has been unfolding over years. Um, but it's it's become sort of a, yeah, a, a nerve wracking situation for us as supporters watching from afar. So I can't even begin to imagine. Right. What, what it's, it's like, like on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And And so tell us what you know, obviously, there's lots of chaos going on over there right now, but. What is a, a normal, is, is, a, is a dog and cat's life in that region of the world? I mean, do they, they clearly have some shelters and, and that sort of thing? What's the biggest challenge for dogs and cats living in that part of the world, you know, when we're not in the midst of pulling troops out and things sure. like that, and Taliban takeover and Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost, I mean, so there's a few things, right? It, it's obviously a very... Uh, you know, contentious and war-torn part of the world. So while things have been particularly heated over the last weeks in preparation for this withdrawal, there, there's kind of a constant simmer of, of danger and, and violence, as we all know. I mean, there's a reason why we are not vacationing in, in sunny Afghanistan, um, even though there, there are certainly many historically fascinating things in the region. So, you know, but the, the, the primary challenges for, for cats and dogs, particularly dogs in that region, is twofold. The first, obviously, is poverty. And, and this is just something we see everywhere, including in the United States, when an area or a region is, is facing poverty, animal welfare moves to the very bottom of the priority list. And, and that's un- certainly understandable, but it does not obviously lessen the tragedy for the animals involved. Um, in the case of Afghanistan in particular, and especially now under renewed Taliban rule, um, they, they don't particularly care about cats. Cats do not fare well, mostly from neglect. Um, it is even worse for dogs. They regard dogs as unclean animals. And hmm. I, I, I do not want to give your listeners actual nightmares by describing some of the things that they do to dogs um, in Afghanistan, um, you know, Taliban Mm. members do to dogs, but it is horrific. And, you know, in in that context, it becomes more understandable why somebody like Charlotte, although this is, you know, not the advice I personally would have given her, but it's, you understand why these animals that she's rescued, she knows what will happen to them if she just leaves them. And, um, and why she yeah. does not want to do so. Interesting. That dogs are unclean, but cats are not. Well, you know, I think, I mean, part of, look, I mean, I will actually be, and I don't want to get all cats versus dogs here, but cats are sort of self-cleaning. They're the cats are like the self-cleaning ovens of pets, whereas dogs, you, you do have to clean them yourself. I would never describe dogs as dirty. I grew up with dogs um, and I love dogs, you know, but there, there are stories about Mohammed's, um, actually loving cats. And I don't, again, mm-hmm. I, I want to emphasize, it's not like cats are treated like royalty and dogs are treated horribly. Um, so much as cats are simply neglected, whereas dogs are actively abused. Yeah. So the, the mm-hmm. cat and, and some cats are, are also 
used again when you're dealing with poverty and neglect there are there are going to be instances of of abuse um, but there are stories about about Mohammed actually cutting a sleeve of his robe off rather than disturb a cat who is napping on it. And so you do find a lot of times in Muslim cultures that there is more tolerance, at least for the existence of cats, even if they are not treated especially well. Um, hmm. Yeah. Whereas dogs and, are regarded as unclean. Right. And cats, I mean, really, let's face it, cats are an incredibly surviving species, you know, when, when all of human is, is extinct, you know, there's going to be cockroaches and cats left. I think. Yeah, no, I look, absolutely. Cats, you know, although again, I do want to emphasize that, that, you know, there's a distinction to be drawn between domestic and feral cats and even feral cats do not necessarily fare super well without some human caretaking um, cats do not need, do not necessarily need as much from people as dogs do. I mean, dogs are pack right. animals and, and dogs really, you know, cats have sort of been domesticating themselves over the last couple of thousand years, whereas, or, you know, a few thousand years, whereas dogs, we have been actively domesticating them, you know, for, for well over 10,000 years. And so dogs do, are, are a little bit more dependent on us than cats are, um, but having said that, I, I will say again, and having visited um, many impoverished places in the world where there are cats who are neglected, it, it is not, you know, it, it's not pretty. It's not great. Right. I mean, it's not like, right. I, again, and I do want to emphasize this, um, not just because I'm advocating for cats, but to give listeners a realistic picture. I, I do not want to draw a picture of, of, you know, a cat's paradise where dogs are tortured or even a cat's kind of, you know, middle class day to day while dogs are tortured. It's right. it, it's not great for cats or, or dogs. It is somewhat worse for dogs, um, but it's really not as good for either as it would be, you know, here, for example. Yeah. And so right now, the concentration of efforts is primarily getting the shelters because the shelters are fearing that they're not going to be able to continue to operate under Taliban rule, right? So, so trying to get that shelters inventory, if you will, of animals and and staff out is that is that right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, there, there's sort of a cascading level of concerns. I mean, the first, obviously, is that the shelters will not be allowed to operate simply, again, because the Taliban, it's, it's a theocratic rule. And so if dogs, according to their God, are dirty, then, you know, the, then the shelters are not doing God's work. But even aside from that, we're talking about shelters that are run by Americans and, and you know, in the case of Nauzad, a, a Brit um, two countries that the Taliban views as having occupied illegitimately Afghanistan for more than 20 years. So, you know, and Charlotte is a woman. Um, and a lot of staffs of both of these organizations are women and not just the volunteers, but professional women, too. Um, I know that Penn Farthing has talked very movingly about how Nazad was one of the first organizations willing to hire women who were veterinarians, you know, having having I mean, this was earlier on in our campaign in Afghanistan, but once women were permitted to go to school and obtain professional degrees, many of the, the first female veterinarians were, were hired by organizations like Nauzad. Um, obviously, these are now women with jobs treating unclean animals in conjunction with Americans and, and UK citizens. Um, 
so there is a level of urgency. This is really not just an animal rescue situation. It's a human rescue situation too, because there's no reason to believe that these women or their families will fare especially well once the dust settles. Right, right. What a sad, such a sad, sad, sad story. And and timing, when is the dust going to settle? I mean, this could be a while too. Yeah, you know, when I say the dust settling, I mean, as, as the Taliban obviously solidifies their rule, which they are certainly actively in the process of doing, I believe they have, within the last couple of days, they've established a cabinet, um, they're, they're trying to, you know, normalize their relations with other countries. They've also, I, I believe yesterday, um, created a, a, a or, or enacted a new law regarding anti-Taliban protests and, and women's rights protests that have been springing up and have been rather brutally put down. Um, so I think the dust is, is already settling and, and not obviously in a way that, that favors the condition of women or animals or people who love animals. You know, one of the the things that really gets me about this is it would be horrific. It, it has been, you know, the treatment of women in Afghanistan and, and Taliban ruled nations has something that's been on my personal radar since the 90s. Um, but the idea that some of these people may pay a price for for rescuing animals is a really unbearable thought for me. Um, yeah. You know that that nobody should should be tortured or or murdered, <laughs> as you know, mm-hmm. because I mean it's 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 hard enough working in animal rescue dealing with with the you know the general the indifference of a general public that doesn't think animal matters regarding animals should be of any importance. Um, you know, so so it is upsetting to think that that someplace in the world there are people who may face far worse repercussions because they loved animals and wanted to help animals. It's, it's just an awful thing to think about. Yeah, it really is. Horrible, horrible, horrible time in our global history, certainly. And, and so sad to think that the animals and the people are suffering in particular. And um, you have in your, in your blog that you send out, your little email blog, you have a picture of a, of a cat, uh, clearly an outdoor living cat. And is that, Tell us about that picture. Um, yeah, so there are a few pictures that I've used in in my email newsletters um, over the past few weeks. I think I, I know the one that you're referring to. Um, and again, this is just sort of the showing the work. Um, and you can tell the reason you can tell that this is an outdoor cat, right, is because the cat, although not in any obvious distress and does not have any open wounds or anything like that, is it looks a little the worst for wear. Um, again, it is difficult. I, I do want to emphasize that while cats are not treated as badly, uh, just neglect all by itself can be devastating for cats. So it's not a disturbing picture. It's a picture, though, of a cat who could obviously use uh, a, a cleaning and um, and a good yeah. meal. A street cat. And, dirty. Yeah, street a, a, a dirty cat. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. And um you know, and cats are not usually that dirty if, if their lives are, are going swimmingly, let's say, which, yeah. you know, is not to say that any dirty cat is suffering. But again, ideally, um, 
Well, and he's white too. So you right, can, which does not help as any right as and ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You where you put on that that white blouse and within seconds it's uh or exactly. in shorts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so they, I guess the same is true. I actually had a long haired white cat and and she was definitely our little uh our little dust magnet for sure. I spent a lot of time combing through her fur. <laughs> um so so yeah, but again, this is just showing the the important work that is being done. You know, it's I mean, obviously what we want is for this organization and their animals and their staff to be able to safely evacuate Afghanistan. Um, But, you know, the the sad sort of uh, of epilogue to that story is going to be the return to to a situation where there are no active animal rescue organizations in in Afghanistan. Hmm. And, you know, it's it's it's. yeah, like I said, this way I, I feel like the last time I was on your show it was a lot more upbeat, and I and I had a lot more you know funny and, <laughs> and, know. and lighthearted anecdotes and <laughs> and things like that, and and this is definitely not that not that visit, but um, yeah, but it's a sad yeah. reality. It's a sad it reality, is, yes. and I think you know it's important. You know, our our main goal here is to let people know what's really going on. I think everybody's heard about the the gentleman being able to leave with his animals from a shelter, but not his staff, you know, and made national news here, of course, but we don't really know what all else is going on. And more importantly, giving them some action that they can help. Then it looks like the SPCA international is involved, right? They're, they're landing planes and actively. Well, they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so again, at this point, so the original plan was for SPCA International, um, which had you know been able to charter a jet and for them to land. This was before the evacuation was finalized um, in Afghanistan. Part of the holdup was that the CDC is not, they, they couldn't file a flight plan because the CDC will not allow dogs from Afghanistan to be brought into the United States. Um, that was something that, that Penn Farthing with Nowzad did not have to face in the UK. And that's part of the reason why he was able to evacuate mm. with his animals. Um, and this is an example, by the way, how easily, you know, an, an animal disaster becomes a human. I mean, we all know that human disasters become animal disasters, but it can also be vice versa. Uh, you know, I wish there was more acknowledgement on the part of the government that you are putting people's lives in danger when you do not for you know form evacuation plans that include their animals and here i am not just talking about afghanistan i grew up in miami and a family for better or worse we never evacuated in the path of a hurricane because there was no place at the time to take to to go with our dogs and we were not going to leave our dogs alone in the house while we went to a shelter um we were very lucky that it never that nothing bad ever happened to any of us because of that we we were always ended up being spared um, but I think it's worth noting that we now that I mean, you and I were talking about this before we started the floods in New Jersey, the wildfires out west, we are seeing more and more natural disasters as a result of, of climate change. And we are going to have to start including domestic animals in our plans for evacuating people safely. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, and I'm sorry, but just to bring it back around, the best thing you can do if you want to help is, is to donate directly to Cobble Small Animal Rescue. And if you, Cobble is spelled K-A-B-U-L. And if you look them up online, um, you can find their website and their social media accounts and go from there. Yeah, good, good. Thank you. That helps. Anything else we need to know or, or can do or, you know, that, that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so 
I mean, two things I would say are, are you know, for, I mean, again, to, to go to Cobble Small Animal Rescue, look them up online, um, donate money to them directly. Again, anything that, that is done, any realistic plan to get these animals and these people out of the country, money is always going to be necessary. And it's really the, the, the best and only thing that we can do from afar for them right now. Um, but the other thing I would say is to also keep in your thoughts, again, we are facing many natural disasters of our own. I mean, this has been a sort of apocalyptic summer in, in the U.S. for, for natural disasters. Um, there's a wonderful organization called Red Rover, um, and you can find their website. It's redrover.org, R-E-D-R-O-V-E-R. And they're kind of like a Red Cross for animals. Um, they deploy in disaster scenarios to, um, for example, right now they, they are addressing the wildfires in the rest in the West. Um, they rescue animals on the ground, provide them with emergency shelter, whether those animals have been found roaming around or if people who've been, who have to evacuate have brought those animals with them and now have no place to go because there's no place for the animals. Um, so they provide emergency shelter medical care from animals rescued from disasters. Yeah. Again, a Red Cross for animals is the best way to describe what they do. And mm-hmm. um, I encourage you guys uh, in it, you know, it, we're, we're all keeping Afghanistan in our thoughts, but also to remember animals here and, and support organizations like Red Rover that are addressing, addressing our, 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 our own disasters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's been a yes. heck of a summer. Yeah, it, it, it certainly has. And and you seem to be having the hurricanes following you around now that you're in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, when I moved from Miami to New York, I, I really thought that my days of having to worry about hurricanes were behind me. And it just feels like in the last decade, um, I, there have been as, as many either direct hits or near misses as there were when I was a child growing up in Miami. So um so yeah, the the best laid plans, as they right. say. <laughs> yeah, and it's and right now it's been with all the natural disasters we have going on right now. The the nation's shelters are uniting and taking in a bunch of animals, and you know it's we were on the ground when Katrina hit in in Houston. We took a bunch of supplies down there and we're helping out for the day, you know, and trying to get back to to Dallas at the time. And wow, it, it is just amazing what you know, the heroic efforts that people put forth to help in situations like that. So it's very good. So Red Rover, Red Rover, Red Rover. Yes. Rover.org. Yeah. And also, you know, I I mean, you make an excellent point too. If you're in a position to do so, definitely call your your local shelter or animal rescue organization. See if they need fosters. You know, a lot of times um, shelters, not just directly in in a disaster area, but those in areas adjacent um, you know, animals from New Orleans are going all the way out to California. And, and so lots of, of rescue organizations right now are, are short on foster homes. And if you are in a position to, to do that, you could yeah. obviously be doing a tremendous favor for an animal in need. In, in an already crowded shelter, we were already seeing, you know, hordes of animals being returned. People adopted during COVID. Now they're going back to work and a lot of separation anxiety behavior and things like that. So we're having shelter occupancy level has gone way up across the country. So this is taking additional animals in outside of their own communities is really a hardship and burden. So absolutely anything you can do to reach out to your local shelters is great. And, And as Gwen said, there's plenty of other places 
that you can you can help as well. Well, thank you for being with us today and and giving us a little snapshot about what's going on over there. And we certainly appreciate you coming back to the show. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. And thanks for covering this, really. Yeah, I think it's it's good for everybody to know. So thank you for tuning in today to Cat Talk Radio. And until next time, keep calm and purr on. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 